Well, good morning, church. It's been a great day already. My prayer is that we would just continue the celebration. We're in Ephesians and we're looking uh, at our identity in Christ. And uh, some of you have taken the challenge to memorize the book of Ephesians. In fact, more than I thought would take the challenge. So I wonder how you're doing. I am almost done with the first chapter. And so if you're ahead of me, you're awesome. That's great. The goal is that we hide it uh, not just in our mind, but we hide it in our hearts, all right? We'll be finishing chapter one this morning, but I have to take the advantage or take advantage of a moment um, to wish somebody happy birthday. And I don't normally do this. Listen, church, it can get a, a preacher in big trouble because there's, there's a day that I'm gonna forget somebody's birthday. But here's an exception I make. If you are more than 100 years old and you're in the room, I need to announce a very special birthday. I'm not gonna embarrass her, but Miss Mary Katie's turning 102 years old. 102 years old. We praise God for your life, young lady. We just praise God for your life, Miss Mary Katie. Uh, that birthday is happening this week on September 22nd. And listen, she is an example to most of us. Uh, I'm not keeping records. There's no grade. Uh, there's no scorecard or, or report card or grade report. Um, but she's here in our church on most Sundays. And I'm not sure that all you could say the same thing. All right. So go give her a hug and let her be an encouragement to you. Amen. All right, well, with that being said, we're gonna open up to Ephesians chapter one. I get to pray for a, a, a pastor friend of mine. He is so faithful. Every Sunday morning, he sends me a text message. I met him in New Orleans just a few months ago, and every single Sunday, his name is Pastor Denny. Uh, he pastors outside of Fort Worth at Sagamont Baptist Church. I may have even said that wrong. I've never even been to his church. Uh, Sagamore or Sagamore. Sagamore, someone's gonna correct me, that's fine. I am not always right, by the way. There are times that I make mistakes. But I do wanna pray for Pastor Denny. He's preaching through Mark 24 this morning and I'm so grateful he's praying for me. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do continue to worship this morning and we, uh, with open hands, say, we want more of you. We wanna be nourished by your word. I humbly just submit, even now, Father, that I cannot do this without you. It's so very clear to me how dependent I am on you. And so whatever you would, you would have said from Ephesians chapter one, whatever you would have said from me as your messenger, God, would you speak boldly? Holy Spirit, be stirring in minds and hearts and opening ears and opening eyes for us to see how Paul's praying for the saints here in this church and what that means for us as we walk with you. And I pray for uh, Pastor Denny, and I pray for uh, his time as he stands in front of his church family this morning uh, to preach Mark 24, asleep in the light. Would people see Jesus? Would people hear Jesus proclaimed uh, boldly and passionately? Would their lives be changed, and would they walk out of church different than the way they walked in? And that's what we pray here. We want to be a kingdom people. We want to be a part of your mission. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And a big part of that is rending our hearts to you in this moment. And so I pray you do big things, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 15, we're looking at Paul's prayer for the church. 
As we do that, I'm just curious, uh, who has one of these? I don't know if you can see it. It's a U.S. passport. Anyone who has one of these? Show of hands. You got one of these? I have a very interesting story about how my one of these was expired about three months before we went out of the country recently. I will not bore you with that story. It's a fun one, right? If we share a meal sometime, ask me. Uh, but you know about having one of these. If you're outside the country, you come back in, you get checked, all right? You cannot go through customs without getting checked. This is an old one. They tore off the corner. This is an old picture. Kids in the room, if you want to see my old picture, I look really funny in this picture. So come on up and ask, and I'll show it to you, all right? But every time you walk through customs, every time uh, you come back into the country, you get checked. There is an ID check, and people want to know, are you a citizen? Are you allowed in? Do you have short-term permission? Do you have long-term permission? We want to make sure you are the right kind of person before you come into our country. When we look at Paul's prayer here for the church at Ephesus, I think it's a really helpful time for us as believers to have a little ID check ourselves, to know who we are in Christ, to know where we stand with Christ, to be sure and to be confident about some of these things. Paul is passionately praying over the saints at Ephesus. He wants them to know who they are. He wants them to know their identity. And I would say, not like a customs check, but a different kind of ID check, a spiritual ID check that we will walk through this morning. So follow along with me as I read from verse 15 to the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 1. For this reason, that's a clue, by the way. Therefore, so that, for this reason, all of that's a clue. As you study your Bible, you should pay attention to what happened before the for this reason. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you heard all about who we are in Christ, adopted and chosen, forgiven, redeemed, sealed with the Holy Spirit. All of those things define what he's about to pray over this church. For this reason, he says, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What a prayer, right? If you want to learn how to pray, just go to some of the prayers in the New Testament. Jesus' prayer in John 17, this prayer in Ephesians. There's a great prayer in Romans chapter 11. There's a great prayer in Philippians as well. What a great prayer. We want to unpack it a little bit. Before we get to that ID check, I just want to answer this question for you. What, what can we learn from Paul's prayer in the Ephesian church or for the Ephesian church? Before we look at what he's praying about, let's consider the importance of the fact that he's praying it all, right? And how does he start? I thank my God. I thank my God. There's a priority. There's a priority for praying. And I was so proud of this church several weeks ago. We said we were going to go prayer walk 
uh, the campuses of Wimberley ISD. And I was so proud of the turnout that we had. It was so encouraging to know so many people were serious about praying. If we're going to continue to be a healthy church in the years ahead, we need to be a church that's desperate for God's presence in prayer. Desperate for God's presence in prayer. We see that modeled here in Ephesians. But a couple other things we see. One is this attitude of gratitude in prayer. I thank my God. Right? When we pray, are we thankful? When we pray, is that how we start? Do we start with praise? This is what Paul says here. I do not cease to give thanks for you. Every time I remember you in my prayers, I always start by saying, thank you, God, for the way these Ephesian saints love you and love one another. Thank you, God, for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If we could adopt that attitude of gratitude in prayer, I think that's the right way for us to be talking to God. Always grateful. We always have an appreciation for who he is and what he's done. But there's something else here. He's using prayer as a vessel for encouragement. So we can learn something about encouragement through prayer. And this is a convicting thing for me because I'm selfish by nature, okay? I don't know if that surprises anyone. Most of you are like, yeah, we know, we get it, we get it. But usually as I'm praying, I'm thinking about me, I'm thinking about my family, I'm thinking about the things that are pressing on my life, the circumstances. I'm not thinking about praising God for others. I'm not thinking about encouraging others in the way that I'm praying for them. So I just ask, how do you notice other people's faith and love? And then how are you talking to God about that and how are you talking to them about it? Hey, I just noticed the way that you walked through this situation in faith and it was a blessing to me. I just want you to know that every time I pray for you, I'm thanking God for the way that you walk in faith. Do you know how we could be a blessing with our words if we could adopt that kind of language? When you pray for other people, do you tell them? Just a quick text. Hey, praying for you today. I had a college pastor. I realize this is 20 years ago. I'm getting older than I used to be. I had a college pastor. used to text me every few weeks. Hey, prayed for you today. Wouldn't tell me anything else. Hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you today. What an encouragement. Can you encourage others through prayer? Just let them know, hey, I prayed for you today. And then I just, I wonder, as you're thinking of those in your life that you're close to, that you love, that are hard to deal with sometimes, is what your heart check is, is it a, a gratefulness for them? Or is it, Lord, can you just deal with that coworker because I'm sick and tired of them? Lord, can you just deal with that neighbor? Because if they come around one more time and ask that question, I'm about to lose it. God, I want to pray for my kids. I love them so much. I see the way that they're walking in faith. Or do I say, God, I want to pray for my kids. I'm about to rip my hair out. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with those prayers. I just wonder if it shouldn't shape us a little bit, right? That as we pray for those in our lives, that we're, we're leaning on the side of, God, thank you for them. God, thank you for what you're doing. God, thank you for helping me notice how they're growing. God, help them to walk in even more faith, enlighten their eyes to see who you are. There's such a good application for us. So I just challenge you, think of one person that you don't normally pray for. Could be a family member, could be a friend, could be your spouse. Maybe you don't normally pray for your spouse. You should start doing that. Would I be so bold to say it could be uh, your lead pastor? I would love for you to pray for me. Anyone else on our ministry team? Think of someone that you don't normally pray for and then commit to pray for them in this way this week. Open up Ephesians chapter one. 
God, I thank you for them. I thank you for the way they're growing. I pray that they would know uh, in, their, in their mind, but in their heart, enlighten their eyes, and in their heart, where they have a spiritual understanding, where they walk in the fullness of the Spirit, know the riches to the inheritance that they are for you. Man, there's some good stuff. We're going to unpack it. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But just write down somebody's name. If you take notes, if you have a journal, just write down their name right now. I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to open Ephesians 1. This is how I'm going to pray for them this week. I wonder what God will do in your own heart to change the way that you feel about them, <laughs> right? To increase your love for them, to encourage them through prayer. So now that that's out of the way, let, let's really look at this idea, this identity check, that we should check our identity this morning according to the way Paul is praying for the saints at Ephesus. And we'll just walk through this prayer. Check number one, identity check number one. Know that you are in the faith. Know for certain who you are. Remember that little phrase I taught you, who I am is who I am because of who I am in Christ. We should be affirmed. We should be confident to know who we are in Jesus. Maybe you've seen this tool. I know a few life groups have used it and a few people jumping into discipleship have used it. It's called Three Circles Evangelism. Have you ever seen this? This means yes. This is where we participate. This means yes. Yeah, got it? Okay, cool. More people are going to see this. A little commercial uh, we have a huge outreach event at the end of our upward football season. It's at the end of October. And so the third Sunday in October, we're going to host a lunch in the student building. If you want to know how to use this evangelism tool, sign up for that lunch. All right? It's several weeks away now. Sign up for that lunch and make sure you get trained. And then you can be a part of a team at our big outreach celebration, going out and engaging people on our church campus with gospel conversations. Got it? Got it? Yeah? This means Yes. All right, cool, just a few of us. Everyone else needs to wake up. I, I don't put it past me to make you stand and stretch, all right? I, I've been known to do this before, and so just participate, all right? Here's the deal. When you use something like this, and, and I'm not going to train you this morning, but you talk about God's design, brokenness, and the gospel. And at the end of that, it's a conversation. You're asking questions all the way through, but you can ask a question. If you had to identify your life in one of these circles the most, which one would it be? And if you're talking to someone that hasn't trusted Jesus, it's not going to be gospel. And if they've paid attention at all to the conversation, it's probably not God's design. So they'd say, man, I feel like I'm stuck in brokenness. And the coolest thing about this tool is you say, well, according to what I shared with you right now, parts of my testimony or maybe some Bible, is there a way out of brokenness for you? And it's a simple tool, <laughs> right? Yeah, I need to come out of brokenness. The only one way is through repentance and faith in the gospel that Jesus died and rose from the grave and I can be brand new. Amen. And so for us, as we check our identity this morning, we need to ask ourselves the same question. Have we come to faith through Christ? Do we know who we are? Can we look at the context of Ephesians 1, verse 3 through 14 and say, these things are true of me. In him I have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of my trespasses. I know that confidently, right? Who I am is who I am because of who I am in Christ. Or I can say, I know confidently that I've obtained an inheritance, that I have a hope, that I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit because I heard the word, the gospel of truth, and I received the word, the gospel of truth. I know who I am. I'm blessed. I'm called holy, adopted, loved, redeemed, forgiven, given grace, given hope, given faith, and sealed with the Holy Spirit. I know who I am. That's your identity check, church. Do you know who you are? Praise God. He doesn't have to stretch. Do you know who you are? And then in other places, as you see the gospel uh, 
written out, even in the gospel narratives, John 20, uh, that author is saying, I want you to be confident. I want you to know who you are. Listen to this, John 20, verse 30 and 31. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I want you to know for sure, church family, and I know this isn't really typical of a sermon to put the invitation right here 10 minutes in, but I'm going to tell you right now, because the New Testament would encourage me to implore you, if you're not in Christ, and maybe you're seeing with new eyes a fresh way to see, I think I need Jesus to be my king. And if you're not in Christ today, don't leave here without talking to someone about what it is to turn away from your sin and trust in him. Talk to me at the end of the service. Just come on up while we're singing, all right? I'd love to talk to you. Talk to someone you came to church with. They've probably been praying for you for years. Don't leave this place until you have that conversation. Identity check. Know for sure that you're in Christ. Here's the identity check number two. Grow in your spiritual understanding. You can ask it like a question. Am I growing in my spiritual understanding? Sometimes uh, Christ followers, especially if you've been a Christian for a long time, you might feel the temptation to think, I got it all figured out. I can't learn anything new from the Bible. I'm going to go to Bible studies, but why? I mean, I, I got it all figured out. You ever felt that way? I hope the answer is no. I hope the answer is no. Right? We will never have it all figured out until we are face to face with Jesus. We will never have it all figured out. Do you need that reminder that you don't have it all figured out? That's the identity check for me. Aaron, you better walk in humility because you don't have it all figured out. There are areas that you need to grow. And the language in this prayer is very uh, intentional and obvious and encouraging to me that I need to grow. I need to be given a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of who God is. It's right there in the passage. Did you see it in verse 17? These saints are being prayed for. It doesn't mean they're not Christians. They are Christians and they need to keep growing. I gotta understand uh, that I should keep growing. The only way to have a spiritual understanding is to have the Holy Spirit. I know this seems so obvious, but we gotta just break it down for a minute. If I'm gonna grow in my knowledge of Christ and have a spirit of wisdom and a revelation, the only way that I can do that is to know the Holy Spirit personally. To be sensitive to the leadings of the Holy Spirit, to have a spiritual understanding about Scripture. John 14, Jesus said, I'm sending you a helper, the Holy Spirit. I'm sending him to you. John 16, it talks about when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. What a prayer! To say, I want to I be more in tune with the Holy Spirit. I want to have spiritual ears to know, Spirit, are you leading me to do that or is that just my idea? Is that my fleeting emotions or, or, or is that backed up by truth and the Spirit? I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. Holy Spirit, I want to know. I want to know when you're leading me to wake up in the middle of the night and pray for somebody. 
Holy Spirit, I want to know when I'm supposed to open my mouth and boldly proclaim Jesus. By the way, a little commercial for you. If you ever think it's time to be unashamed for the gospel, that's probably the Holy Spirit. Satan is never going to tempt you to share the gospel. Like, this might be your fleeting emotions here. It's, that's not the way it works, okay? If you're thinking that, it's probably the Holy Spirit. And you need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. Right? This is the passionate prayer that, that our knowledge of Christ would increase and we'd be given a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who God is. So what's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? One, you know you're sealed. That's chapter one, verse 13. If you're in Christ, you're sealed. He's the guarantee of your inheritance. But does it go deeper than that? Man, I pray it goes deeper than that. And if you ever want to get me alone and talk about the Holy Spirit, I love that conversation. There is a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit, and say, oh, yeah, the Spirit's inside of me, and being full of the Holy Spirit, and walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and walking with a sensitivity of conviction of sin, and, and when to speak, and how to pray, and, and who to pray for, and the things to pray for, and scripture that comes to your mind, because you're walking so closely with the Spirit. What's your relationship with the Spirit look like? Now, we need to understand that we'll never stop growing. Look at the language here. He prays that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened. Do you know what that reminds me? In Luke chapter 24, Jesus is walking along with the disciples, and they don't even recognize him. <laughs> and they're saying, oh, yeah, Messiah, he died. We don't know what we're going to do. And you know what the Bible says? It says that, that Jesus opened their eyes. And then he explained that all the way from the law and the prophets and Moses, it's always been pointing forward to him. It's always been about Jesus. And then in their own words, in Luke 24, verse 32, they say, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened our eyes to the scriptures? I wonder if that's a prayer you could pray for yourself. Lord, I want to grow in my spiritual understanding. Would you open my eyes to the scriptures? I imagine what it was like when the light bulb turned on for those apostles walking with Jesus. And the light bulb turns on, like, oh, we get it, right? Have you ever had that moment when you're reading the Bible? You have that light bulb moment and you're like, oh, I get it. I want more of those, amen? amen? I want more of those for you, all right? We know the expectation that every Christian should be growing. Let me briefly give you three areas, all right? We're gonna, we're gonna step away from the identity check, give you three areas briefly of where we should be growing, all right? We should be understanding these things. Number one, understand your hope and your salvation. What are ways you can grow in your hope? I talked about this at Upward yesterday. We train ourselves for godliness. We set our hope in Christ. We need to be growing in our hope. Titus 3 says this, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I want to grow in my hope. I want to be less distracted when the cares of the world come, right? The cares of the world comes and then I just freak out. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? That means my hope is really small. When the cares of the world come and I'm like, you know what? This is tough, but my hope is in greater things. This isn't going to derail me, right? This is one of the areas of our lives we should be growing in. We should see a difference from when we first believed in Christ to when we were baby believers, when we were feeding ourselves with milk, and now we're feeding ourselves with meat. We have a firm grasp on what our hope in Christ looks like. Is that an area you're growing in? How can you ask God to grow your understanding of this truth of 
your hope in Jesus. Number two, understand this. You are an inheritance of God. I'm gonna read verse 18 one more time. Listen very carefully. This is so good. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you to. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, this is very interesting because chapter one said, we in Christ, we have an inheritance. We're co-heirs with Christ and everything he has, we will have with him one day. That's not what this prayer is about. Did you catch the language? This is so encouraging to me. It doesn't say know your inheritance from God to you. It says know that you, if you're in Christ, are his inheritance. Oh, man. Like, I don't want to get all, like, prosperity gospel on you, but this should make you feel good, okay? This should be a good feeling. I, in Christ, washed and redeemed, covered by the blood of Jesus, that the Father looks at me and says, you're my inheritance. I can't wait to be with you forever. I did that. My name looks good, but I want you. You are my inheritance. Did you catch that? That you may know what is the hope to which he's called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. The saints, including you and me, Christ followers, are part of God's inheritance. That is a massive deal, church. Deuteronomy chapter 9 says this. They are your people, your heritage, whom you brought out by your great power and your outstretched arm. 1 Peter chapter 2 says that if we're in Christ, we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and a people for his own possession. We are God's people. <laughs> he owns us, and he can't wait to be with us. Man, what does that do for your value? What does that do for you to understand God wants you? Now, of course, it's by grace through faith. Chapter 2 is going to be all about that. You did nothing to earn God's favor, Right? I can boldly proclaim that I did nothing to earn God's favor. But if I understand the gospel and the hope of Christ, and then I'm reminded that I, being part of the saints, are his inheritance, and he can't wait to be with me, you know what that does for my value? I'm like, well, hey, maybe I have something special, right? Because of Jesus, not because of anything I did. Because I'm in Christ. I'm part of his inheritance. Isn't that good? I think in our culture, it's all kind of twisted. It's all kind of twisted. And people say about kids, oh, they just need more self-confidence. They need more self-confidence. Just shower them with praise and encouragement. And I'm not, there's nothing against praising and encouraging kids. There's nothing against that, right? But for my kids, for our kids in this church, and I think the better thing for our kids in our culture and the world is not for them to think that they're so great. It's not self-confidence that they need. It's God confidence that they need. If they can understand that God is so great, yet he's done these things that he might have a relationship with you, that can make them feel valued, right? I don't want to just shower them with empty praise. Yes, I'm proud of my kids, and they do things that make me proud all the time. But what would make me more happy is if they understand how awesome God is, how big God is, and the great things God's done, and they say, he wants to be with you. Doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make you feel valuable, Right? Less self-confidence and more God-confidence. I want you to understand you are the inheritance. How can you have an increased sense of value when you say, I'm a saint. I did nothing to earn it, but I sure am glad to wear this badge. Jesus has washed me clean. I'm a saint. That means I'm valuable. I'm precious in his sight. Understand that and grow in that understanding. 
Lastly, understand God's power in you. Verse 19 and 20. This is so helpful to understand. God's power is working toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the heavenly places. Now just slow down for a minute and think about God's great power. We sang about it, right? All creation is giving you praise. God, you are holy, okay? God's great power is shown in creation. God has a great creative power, all right? That's good. God has a great saving power. I read that. He reached out his mighty right hand and rescued a people for his name when he rescued Israel, and I'm now a part of Israel. I'm adopted in. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just God's power in you because he's a great creator, God's power in you because he's great at salvation. Look at this. God's power in you because he has the power to raise Jesus from the dead. (laughs) Did you see that? It's not just creative power or saving power. It's resurrection power. And I want you to to be able to pray and understand and know the power that God is working in and through me in my life is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Man, that's a mighty power. That encourages me to to sit under the all-powerful nature of who God is and say, God, just use me. God, just use me. You're powerful. You're mighty. You're great. You can use me. So identity check, know who you are, and know that for sure. Identity check, understand how you're growing and who God is and who you are because of who God is. But here's the last identity check. Rest in the victory of Christ. If you ask the question, ask it this way. Are are you resting in the victory of Christ? Verse 21 and 22 and 23 is all about this declaration of who Jesus is. He is great. He is the head of the church. He fills all in all. He is seated at the right hand of the authority of God. He has a name that's greater than every name, King Jesus. And if you're in Christ, his victory is your victory. I'm sure you've felt tired and worn out before. Most of our teenagers will be in the next service. Some are in here right now. Do you feel tired and worn out teenagers, started school, you got that school fatigue, and you're like, ugh. One of the three of my kids really feels it. Man, they just got that school fatigue. They are tired and worn out already. It's September. It's not even homecoming yet. And they're exhausted. But guess what? When we're reminded of our victory in Jesus, I don't care how tired or worn out you might feel, you know that victory is coming that the end is coming. Come, Lord Jesus, come, as we celebrated the Lord's Supper and even what it's quoting here, that all the enemies of Jesus are gonna be under his feet. That's Psalm 110. This is Jesus, seated at the right hand of God, far above all rule and dominion and authority. His name that's above every name. Philippians 2 says, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's victory in Jesus, amen? We can rest in that. I understand you might be tired, Rest in that. Jesus, I have victory in you. Rest in that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying, more than that, for raising and then giving me the same power that you have. Help me to live that life. Rest in that. Take confidence in that this morning. And you go back to the prayer and you get a big view of this identity check. Do you know for sure who you are in Christ? Do you know you're in the faith? Number two, are you growing? Are you growing or are you tempted to think, ah, I'm good, I don't need to grow anymore. I'm done with that. Are you growing your spiritual understanding? Number three, are you resting 
in the victory that Jesus has. And I love how it ends here in verse 23. I can't stop preaching without taking you to the ending here in verse 23. Jesus, the head of the church, the church is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. It reminds me of Christ at the center. Colossians chapter 1, Hebrews chapter 1, Philippians chapter 2, John chapter 1. It's all about Jesus. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He deserves all glory. He is filling the earth with his glory. That's what it says in the Old Testament, Habakkuk chapter 2. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Look at Psalm 72. It has a very similar language. Not only do we understand our victories in Jesus, we, the church, the saints, his inheritance, we get to be a part of the mission to help make sure other people know that their victory can be in Jesus as well. Because Jesus is in the business of filling the whole earth with his glory. You know one of the ways we do that, church? When we tell others that they can have salvation in Christ alone. And we speak it boldly. We're unashamed of the gospel for it's the power of salvation to those who believe. We get to be a part of that kind of church, a healthy church that's on mission that says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Man, I know who I am in Christ. If I know who I am in Christ, I'm growing in that understanding. I'm resting in victory. And part of that resting in victory is getting to work and doing the things that he told me to do. I want people to know they can have victory in Jesus too. Amen? So now if we're coming to the end we're going to pray, and you're like, I don't really know. I don't know how to walk out different. I just don't know what to say. He asked me to pray for one person. He told me I should be telling people about Jesus. He told me I should be growing. And if you can't think of one thing that's different about your walk with Jesus before you walk out, you weren't paying attention. But if you can, and you'd be so bold, and you'd be so courageous to come to the front, get on your knees. I know some people in our church are older, it's hard for them to get on their knees. Come sit on the front row. It actually means something for you to take a stand and say, God, in in a posture of humility and movement and surrender, I am moving and saying, help me in this specific area. I'm committing it to you, God. I'm putting that stake in the ground. If God's showing you any area where you can grow, to know who you are in Christ and how that matters for the way that you live for him, would you respond by coming and praying? Would you respond by saying, God, I'm asking this to be different this week? Because we don't just hear the word. We want to be hearers and doers of the word. And every time the word is proclaimed, we know there's an invitation to respond. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for Ephesians chapter one. Thank you for this prayer. It's such a good prayer. Would you show us how we can remind ourselves of our identity in Christ and how we can live differently because of our identity in Christ? And so for our church family this morning, uh, would you remove from us the distraction or the embarrassment of responding to you? I know so many people are responding, but they don't move. They don't have to move for me. It's not about me. It's not about my name. It's a mutual encouragement in this church family to feel as though people are growing, people are changing, that people are committing to you and here are the ways that you're dealing with them and we don't even need to hear about it. Maybe their friends will or their life group will, maybe their, their family might. But God, just a moment, a moment between them and you, between me and you as we respond, God. Do business with us in this moment. I pray in Jesus' name.